Hi, I'm Tiffany. And I'm Lindsay. And this is Luminol, Luminol Cocktail. Cocktail. We can start whenever. We could just start this. Yep. Alright. Just like move this as close, I guess. Don't really know. Got like knocking my computer off. Cool. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. Alright. No idea if this is gonna sound better or not. Ian was like, "Give it like a test, and then listen to it." And I was like, "Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens, sir." Yeah. So yeah. So here we are, back in Lindsay's living room. Mm-hmm. We have some new podcasting equipment. We do. Uh, it's just a box with foam. Some dude on the internet said that <laughs> it would make our podcast sound better. So yep. We're going to try it and see what happens, and I don't know. Um, I feel like it's... Assembling this was quite the... New things. I don't have any fun notes this week, mostly because I've been working, like, a stupid amount. Yeah. I've been at work more than I've been at home over the past week. I, I know that feeling. It's stupid. <laughs> I don't like this. That's me Monday through Friday, and I, then I don't leave my house for, like, two days unless I absolutely have to. See, that's the problem, though. It's like I'm on call sometimes on the weekend, so it's like I work all these stupid things, and then it's like, surprise, you're on call Saturday, so you're going to basically work half a day on Saturday, Yeah, too. no, that's not happening for me, thankfully. <gasps> well, <So>, today <laughs> we have a very special episode, which yep. is our way of trying to look at the bright side of a situation. Tiffany's much more optimistic than I am. <laughs> Silver linings. Yes. Um, mostly because I'm drinking a very large margarita, so I am into... Is that a margarita? It is, is a margarita. Is? It, is. it is not a I, frozen I margarita. Well, you don't have ice at your house. <laughs> it's, true. it's all your fault, really. And no, it's Alex's fault because he won't fix it. Damn it, Alex. <laughs> he doesn't know how. He won't change the filter either because he doesn't know how. He can't figure it out. Alex, if you're listening to this, change the fucking filter <laughs> and get some goddamn ice in your house so I can have a frozen margarita when I'm here. Yeah, we also really don't have a great blender, so. Work on that. <laughs> well, I plan on it, but you know, money's <laughs> a little tight right now. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I got an expensive dog. Being a family of three is hard. Uh, for who? You? Me? For you. Uh, I'm not a family of three. You have a family with three children. Yeah, but we're a family of five, yeah. but with three children. That's what I was talking oh, about. Oh, okay. I'm just I've only ever heard it like where you also include. include the parents. The parents yeah. aren't real people. They're the ones that are financially supporting children. Meh. Most often, not always. Generally speaking, <laughs> yes. I've been on vacation, so I have nothing new to talk about. Actually, uh, I cleaned my bedroom today. That's exciting. Before you got here. Oh, you know what I have exciting to share? Yes, please. Something. <laughs> the th- exciting thing I have to share is the name of this margarita mix. Because I just found it. Okay. I was at Harris Teeter the other day. Mm-hmm. We were on our way to have dinner with Ian's mom. Mm-hmm. And, like, he sent me in to get, like, seltzer water or something. Of course. And I was like, well, I need something that I actually like to drink that doesn't taste like boiled eggs. I was, like, walking around the Harris Teeter alcohol section, mm-hmm. and I found this great margarita mix, and it was, like, the fancy Harris Teeter on James Island. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, on-time mixers, their margarita mix mm-hmm. is the bomb, and it doesn't give me a headache, and it doesn't taste like sugar. Oh, good. Like, it tastes like an actual honest-to-God margarita, and it's the best and if you like margaritas, or even if you don't, you should just try it, because it was good. Mm-hmm. See, unfortunately for me, it comes with the tequila, which I don't like. That's I the, mean... <laughs> that's the big one. That's I fair. ordered a margarita once, and I was like, this sounds delicious. Uh-huh. And the entire time, I'm like, oh, God, this is awful. Why this would I do terrible. this? <laughs> All I taste is tequila. Aww. <laughs> it was sad. You have to learn sad. to enjoy the tequila an acquired taste i can't i threw it up i can't it, you don't have an alcohol you threw up and just can't go back to no that's tequila <laughs> you no. throw up? <laughs> i throw up all of the alcohols what are you talking about well, like i've gotten sick on other things but for some reason that one night i just can't you know there was one night that i was drinking probably at the apartment and i got sick just on vodka drinks 
And for a while after oh, that, that I'd been drinking vodka, which was, is really unfortunate because vodka is the cornerstone of a lot of drinks. I don't like clear liquor, uh, but no, that happened to me. I was I was having like vodka cranberry, and then was fine, and then got sick, and just mm-hmm. threw up a little bit because I'm usually really good about not yeah. getting sick. And I threw up on my clothes, which because I was like on my bed, I just leaned over and just. Oh no! Got rid of all the gross stuff, but I was like That's sober. One does. Like I was sober enough to go. Oh man, my white shirt was there. <laughs> like, oh, I no. was perfectly fine, and like my door was open when it happened. And I, like I was at the apartment. Yeah, I turned around. Everyone's like laughing. I'm like, this is hilarious. My oh, shirt's no. ruined. My shirt though. It actually wasn't ruined. It came out just fine. I'm happy for you. Me too. <laughs> yeah, no, I have ruined a lot of clothes. Alex, one time, oh, not I... with me, threw open a comforter. Like, like, pulled it up as a bowl and just vomited <laughs> into his comforter. Well, I mean, you know about the time Ian threw up in a solo cup, right? Yes. 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 I did not witness that. Allegedly. <laughs> That's what happened. I I've don't know. I've heard about it. I have heard that story, too. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, well, now we have a dog bed up in my bathroom for, for Burr uh-huh. to sleep in, and so... I thought so Alex when I fall asleep me. on the floor in that bathroom now. What's well, in the I master? Damn it's in the master. But I thought for sure the other night at my graduation party, Alex at one point had me because I thought maybe I got sick, and I was like, "Yeah, God damn it! If I was laying on this dog bed, <laughs> like I can never show my face in public again." Okay, but see, I love how you're like, if I fell asleep on this, you're dog like, bed, let's do it. And I was like, holy shit, you put a dog bed in there, so I have somewhere soft to lay whenever I'm getting sick. I mean, you had a good setup though. You had a blanket and a pillow. And, and you were sleeping on the rug. You know what? <laughs> you made a bed up in my guest bathroom. So, um, a couple weeks ago, I got really sick, like food poisoning sick. Mm-hmm. And our bathroom in our house that we rent is so tiny. It's like the size of a closet tiny. That's uncomfortable it to get really sick in. It really is. And you know what? I was sick in there. Um, but the I cap like your a, body's hanging out the doorway. <laughs> so I have like this big fluffy gray comforter that we don't really use on the bed anymore. Um, but it's like on our guest bed and I was sick in there and I was just like on the tile floor because the whole bathroom is like 60s tile (laughs) and I was just like shivering. Yeah, you walk in there and it's like a change in temperature. Yeah, Ian brought me the comforter and it (laughs) took up the whole floor. That's hilarious. And I was just like in a cocoon on the bathroom floor in between getting sick. It was simultaneously the best and worst moment of my life. Yeah, that night with tequila really ruined some food for me, too, for a little bit. That is the most tragic part, um, when you get sick after eating delicious food. That's what I was so worried about at my graduation party. I was like, <laughs> I just had tacos. Like, this is my favorite food. This will be ruined. Oh, no. Uh, I did not get sick, though. I remember one time as a kid, we were out somewhere, and I had Alfredo. Mm-hmm. And I got so sick from That's that rough. Alfredo. And for like Alfredo, something that gets ruined very easily. It is, <laughs> and so literally years, I would be like, I'd see it on a menu and be like, oh, that sounds good, and then I'd actually think about it and be like, mm, no, can't do that. As a kid, I was sick for every holiday, every vacation, my birthday, Aww. literally every. I like, I had an Easter Bunny note that was apologizing for me being sick on Easter. <laughs> What a generous Easter bunny. Like, yeah, I was a sick kid. So I remember, like, I used to love spinach dip. Like, like at Christmas time, when you have, yeah. like, the bread bowl, and you, like, carve it out and put the spinach oh, dip inside yeah. of it. Yeah. Devoured that. And then had, like, the stomach flu, and all no. of that came back up. And so, like, this was, I was, like, nine when that happened. And I'm now almost 26 and cannot touch spinach dip. Really? <laughs> yeah. My mom and dad will joke, like, oh, you want some of this? I'm like, no, I do not. <laughs> I also was, like, the kind of kid that would get sick and then just do it by myself. Like, I did not go get my parents. Like, yeah. I ran to my kitchen, was in the trash can. I was like, I'm going to take myself back to bed now. <laughs> oh, no. I would get sick and then, like, go tell my parents about it afterwards. I'd kind of, in a petty way, almost be like, I just want to let you know. I did this. I just got sick in my bathroom. <laughs> but then I was also the kid who straight up told my mom one time that she wasn't in the habit of watching her children. Mm. So... There's that. Yeah, well, my parents were kind of like, so this was at night. So it was like the middle of the night, Christmas Eve, like Santa had already come and everything. Like yeah. it was probably like really early morning. And my parents, like to wake them up, first off, for my mom, I have to call her Christy and like shake her. That's her name. I can't call her mom and wake okay. her up. I have to call her Christy. So at nine years old, I was like, mm, don't feel that. 
And then my dad, like, startles awake to the point where, like, it frightens you. <laughs> so most of my life was spent not wanting to wake them up. <laughs> Did I tell you about the time my dad almost shot me? Yes, you have told me that before. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, we didn't have guns, so it was fine. <laughs> no, my parents have guns. So many guns. Yeah, that was not an issue for us. I just didn't like to call my parents, like, my mom, her real name. <laughs> and then to be, like, to startle. Alex wakes up like that, too. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah, no. I literally, I would never go in their room. Like, I would go in their room, like I said, petty after the fact to be like, I just got sick. Except for that one time, I was like, I'm sick. I'm going to lay on their floor. I rolled right into that closet door and scared my dad. And his first thought wasn't, oh, shit, that's my kid on the floor sleeping. His first thought was, better grab my gun because obviously someone's coming for me. Safety first. I guess. Like, I'm glad he, like... Ask questions later. You know, I'm glad he looked once. That's true. You before that. he shot. That's true. Because we could be having a much different podcast right now. Would you be here? I mean, potentially, depending on how groggy he was. <laughs> he just grazes your arm. Right? <laughs> Fucking whoops. That would be awful. Oh, my God. Look at that mess he just made. Oh, he's such a good dog. I like podcasts that talk about things that are kind of gross because, like, it's real life. This is real life. Why I'm are you clapping? <laughs> I don't know. You see, I have this problem where I just make hand gestures and do things. Mime it. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Well, I got to spend the afternoon listening to the boys play hockey and take shots while I cleaned oh, the room. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what I did. Oh, there's something we could talk about. What's that? I'm going to take out some of the vomit content in there. <laughs> you could take out the part where I was talking about my dad almost yeah. shooting me. <laughs> I'll let you, you think about that. You can I don't, on that one. <laughs> I don't care about that. Hamilton reviews. Hamilton reviews. That's pretty big, and we like musicals. We do. We we like a lot of musicals. We listen to a lot of musicals. <laughs> Branch out a little. That's pretty popular right now. I mean, Hamilton is probably the most popular musical currently. Yeah. Like, I can't think of, like, there was, like, that time 10 years ago or whatever, whenever they came out with the new Phantom of the Opera. I hate that. And everybody went ham. Well, what was it the movie, but... My, I hate the music. My God, I hate Ian the music. Ian hates it too. It's the He's worst. Like, like when we went, when I went to New York, he was, I was like Phantom of the Opera, and he was like, No, we're not doing that. Good for him. We're not going there. And I was like, <laughs> Fucking fine then. Uh, what would you rate Hamilton? I would rate Hamilton. Ooh. One out of ten. One out of five. I don't know. I don't know what I was gonna say. What is our scale? One to five stars. One to five stars. Like a normal rating system. I would say 4.75 stars. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with solid five out of five. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. But I can't give anybody five out of five. And because why they get a 4.75. Well, does Anastasia get five out of five? Anastasia gets 4.99 out of five. <laughs> okay. So what was wrong with Hamilton that it lost... I wouldn't say there's anything that's wrong with Hamilton at all, but, like, I don't know. I just, I feel I do agree with Ian. Like, Lin-Manuel Miranda's performance, while good, mm -hmm. it's hard because he's surrounded by so many other super strong performers. Yeah. And I just feel like he's not as strong of a performer, mm -hmm. and you, you notice it. And so I'm kind of like, if there's ever anything with a show that kind of brings me out of it, yeah, then that's something that makes it less of an enjoyable experience for me. And maybe I'm more picky. About no, that I think stuff, I think you're but... more exposed to uh, musicals and like performances, though, by being with Ian and I do see a lot of theater. and living with Jason too. Yeah, so anytime I'm taken out of it, I'm just kind of like me. The spinny floor kept me in it. Okay, I do fucking love the spinny floor. And also, um, what's that one song called? Like, The Rules of Dueling or whatever? The whatever. Ten Duel Commandments? That one. Yeah, which one? <laughs> love so many em. versions. <laughs> I liked the scene uh, where um, it's Hamilton and Angelica, and then the floor moves, and Angelica yes. moves away, and Eliza, like, takes her spot. That was good. And the, and the dancing backwards yeah. thing. yeah. Okay, so something I didn't realize mm -hmm. whenever I was watching it, but I was reading some um, articles about it afterwards. Yes. Um, 
the same ensemble actor or rather actress however she prefers to be identified i I never understood the difference well an actor was an actor so like yes someone more educated needs to educate me i mean i don't (laughs) claim to be that much like educated like i don't know is there really a difference though like like an actress is just a female yeah which is why we can call them all actors but some women prefer to be called actresses okay but then, obviously, I don't presume to know anything about her identity. <laughs> That's fair. So, but if you say they're this they're performer, an actor, does that mean you're giving them like male? No. Oh, okay. No. This is very confusing. <laughs> yes. So this particular performer is what I'm going to go with. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the performer who is in the ensemble, basically the same person plays the role. They call it the role of the bullet. <gasps> oh yes, she's actually just death. So yeah. anytime and someone's so before close, someone's gonna die, yes. <laughs> or anything crazy is gonna happen, or like there's a sequence of events that has started. Yeah, she's the one who like kicks it off. And I was like, I didn't notice that at all, but now I want to rewatch it. We could probably start doing this now. Anyways, <laughs> so funny story, hilarious. What happened was we don't communicate. So previously for our episodes, like. One of us or the other has, like, messaged the opposite person and Mm -hmm. just been like, hey, just checking, like, you didn't do X, Y, and Z, did you? I wonder Um, if we drunkenly discussed this at my party. I feel like we didn't, though. I know we talked about the last one. We definitely did. The Black Widows, yeah. Yeah. I remember being out on the porch talking about it, but... And then I texted you about it, too, because I was like, (laughs) I don't... I know we talked about it, but I don't remember what... Yes. The outcome of that conversation was. Yes. So finally, I was just like, you know what? There are so many different people who have done so many terrible things. The odds of us choosing the same one, especially this early in the game. Yeah, this is episode six. Yeah, is really just, you know, not likely. But we somehow, like, (laughs) could have won a fortune if you'd bet on that. (laughs) We are... On the same true crime wavelength, you see. We are in sync, if We're you will. We're so in sync right now. <laughs> We're amazing co-hosts for this exact reason. Um, so. so yeah, so we are doing a podcast. If you guys remembered the teaser at the end of last week's episode. Yes. Um, about angels of death. Except mm-hmm. we can't use the term angels plural. Nope. Because we've got the same one. And we did not realize this until Tiffany showed up at my house to record yep so you know about an hour ago very little time to uh try to research a new one so we're just gonna we're just gonna cover it together yeah we're gonna see how it goes this may turn out to be a mini this may be a full length episode most of it's just banter (laughs) okay do you need to like refill your drink or Mm -hmm. all right so uh since we are doing the same person we are talking about uh kristen gilbert Yes, our one angel of death. (laughs) So so I have a fun fact. Do you want to hear about it now or later? Well, now, obviously. So Kristen Gilbert, one of the colleges she went to in Massachusetts, if you recall, my boyfriend Ian is from Massachusetts. Yes. He went to the same college she did. Really? Yep. Wow. Wait, I thought Ian went to college here. So he went to a two-year college. There, and so he went to the same two-year college that she went to. Oh, okay. It's like Mount Wachusett or something like that. And I was like, I feel like this is vaguely familiar, and I don't know why this name is tickling my brain. Yeah. And he was like... Yeah, it's right there. Yep. Community College. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he was like, um, yeah, that's the one I went to. And I was like, interesting. So yeah, that's our fun fact. We're connected to this crime. <laughs> What, seven degrees right. of separation or whatever it is. Seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I, I I don't know if that's true. But the murder one. I believe. <laughs> You're optimistic. I choose to believe. <laughs> um, I have some... Well, I'm starting it off because of the way I decided to write it. Kristen Gilbert was the firstborn of Richard and Claudia's two daughters... And was born on November 13th, 1967 in Fall River, Massachusetts. Woo! Sounds beautiful. I mean... But any, I feel like Massachusetts bet, is just beautiful. You know what? I bet they have beautiful foliage. 
our that should be as our tagline. Beautiful foliage. <laughs> Hashtag beautiful foliage. Her father, Richard, worked as an electronics executive while her mother, Claudia, was a homemaker and part-time teacher. Is it okay to use the word homemaker? It felt a little dated. I mean, but it's probably dated, but it's also, like, if that is the title that she chose to go by, then I feel like it's appropriate. Well, I did not ask Claudia, but, yeah, she uh, she she did what I did all week. Well, there you go. <laughs> the family lived in a well-to-do suburb in Massachusetts. Up north, where it's cold. Yeah, I thought about going to college in Boston, briefly. And then, like, in December, Alex would check, like, the weather in Boston. It was, like, negative something. I was like, nah. <laughs> My friend Blair is going to BU right now. Yeah, I think that's and, actually where I was looking at. And she, like, posts pictures of herself there. And she's from, like, this area originally here in South Carolina. Yeah. Which is, like, our winter is you're still wearing shorts and a t-shirt some days in Not January. me, but I'm from Florida, so... So there's this that. This is super cold to me here. <laughs> it's not super cold to me. Like, sometimes it does. Don't get me wrong. It does get super cold sometimes. I like to bundle up, though, so I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of cute cold weather clothes. I look much clothes. better during fall and winter time than I do <laughs> spring and summer. <laughs> I feel that. Yes. So, back to Kristen. Kristen, yes. She was a gifted student and even a member of the math club. She was a nerd. Sounds like it. You know, but, like, Alex was part of the debate team. What did you do in high school? Never mind. You were at homeschooled. I was homeschooled. Okay. <laughs> I did my best. That's what I did. Well, you probably weren't part of any clubs, though. So, they actually had a homeschool yearbook. And so, I was on the homeschool yearbook. You learn something new every day. Yep. I went to a couple homeschool yearbook meetings. Can't say I was... Meetings? Yeah, they had whole meetings. What, what, like, how does it, like, how do you get a picture in this? Like, what do you do? So, literally, um, there are different groups that you can become a part of, like, local, basically, kind of support groups. And my mom was a member of, like, three of them. Okay. And they set up, like... So, this is not for kids. So, yes, it is for kids, because what they do, like, the parents work together, and they set up, like, field trips. Oh! Um, So, you kind of had a class. Kind of, except there were no other kids my age. Well, that is, you know... Kind of like an Amish student. Yeah, it was kind of like everybody was either older than me and was like my sister's age or people were younger than me and were my brother's age. That's unfortunate. I was awkwardly in the middle. Uh, I did no clubs, but I did start the poetry club in uh, 6th or 7th grade. I started a horse club. (laughs) Of course you did. We met at the public library (laughs) once a week. I also just pretty sure i just called it the library but i've had a couple of drinks so here we are <laughs> i started a horse did you talk about like your favorite horses or like so we actually had uh apha which is the american paint horse association has a book specifically for like kids horse clubs yes and i'm pretty sure my nana is the one who bought it for me and so we would just do like activities and projects and whatever. Like this is I, all very adorable. I was a pretty adorable kid. Okay, <laughs> I understand. I've grown out of it. It's uh, fine. I had a girl try to get me to be part of like the Christian club. Oh no! I mean, I that was in a work. cult, so uh, I don't think I was in. I didn't really do clubs. I wasn't. A, I was friends with a group of like misfits. We did nice. not really belong anywhere. We did not peak in high school. <laughs> Proud of you. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Kristen also didn't peak in high school. It kind of sounds like when it got towards the end, things definitely got tough. I know she graduated high school when she was 16. See, I did is, not know that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was like, all right, we're, we're an overachiever. We're good at things. But yeah. it felt like there were just some things lacking in her um, mental growth. And I feel like it was just probably whether it was from family things or whether she just had. Well, I think when you treated very mature, which she probably was if Mm -hmm. she graduated high school at 16, there is like another level of immaturity that does come through, which kind of I feel like would give into her um, habitual lying. Yeah. Which did start to occur in her teen years. And I, I found out that she like boasted about being a relative of like Lizzie Borden and had a history of faking suicide attempts to manipulate people. Yeah, like, yeah. I've read one particular instance where 
a guy she was dating broke up with her and she to manipulate him into feeling bad slash wanting to get back together with her wrote a whole suicide note where she claimed to like swallow glass so that she would kill herself and i mean of course he was like holy shit i need to go make sure this person's okay he was there and then she was kind of like meh it was all ploy whatever i don't want you like it was just a lot of game playing it sounded like and i think it just goes to what you were saying about like her emotional maturity maybe just wasn't there even though she was treated more mature yeah well because i think also like at a young age like you want to have adult problems and so you kind of assume a relationship problems are adult problems yeah but you mentally are not capable of handling those adult problems right also you have a skewed sense of how to handle those adult problems yeah that's not super healthy. It's not. Uh, but she graduated from her high school, and she enrolled at Bridgewater State College in Bridgewater, Massachusetts, in 1986. However, there was another fake suicide attempt, and Gilbert was ordered psychiatric treatment by Bridgewater State College officials. Uh, so due to this, Gilbert transferred to Mount... What is this? Wachusett. Wachusett. I think. I'm sure. It looks like Massachusetts. That makes sense. Yeah. When Ian says it, he has a very different accent. I'm sure he does. But I don't know how to do that. It's not nope. even an accent so much as, like, it comes from the back of your throat. <laughs> oh, my God. Every now and then, like, something will happen and he'll just have a sentence. Drunk. Like, no. No, not mm, no. surprise. I thought for sure, like, if he got more drunk, the more So we both did this. We both did the same thing with our accents. Yeah. We both, like, individually, obviously, because this was, like, before we met each other. Yeah. Like, as individuals, we're both, like, my accent, not great for every aspect of life as far as, like, professional settings, Mm -hmm. dealing with other humans from other regions, whatever. There's a certain stigma that can be associated with accents. So we both have essentially trained our accents out of ourselves. That's fun. Alex did that, but he did it with communi- like taking communications class oh. and wanting to be on the radio. Yeah. Nice. So he has no accent either. Yeah. So I'm just over here like very yeah. mixed over here because <laughs> I've got like northern parents but like I'm from the south. Yeah. But not really the south. But see, then it cancels it out. So you don't have an accent either. No, I'm, yeah, I do. Have you ever heard me say the word want in a sentence? No. So there are certain things where I go, but I want it. <laughs> and I can't turn that off in a sentence. <laughs> just who you are yeah uh, so that's the, I think that's really the only word though nice. gets us, I don't know it's, I remember specifically like w- the word that probably made me be like I need to change my life was the word toilet toilet yeah because I used to say it toilet <laughs> like I remember being like 14 years old and I was like I don't know I think I like dropped my toothpaste in the toilet and I'm like I got made fun of at summer camp Oh, that's not nice. And I was like, well, what's a good thing you, you accent. learned how to get rid of that, though, because when the first time I met Ian at the party towards Alex's now clearly ex-girlfriend, then he hated Southern accents every time she would talk. <laughs> yeah, actually, he's kind of like, I don't know what it is. He's like, I think the only reason that we are like... It's a good thing. ...made it work out was that neither of us have accents that are annoying. Good for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she transferred. So, yeah, so she transferred. <laughs> to Wachusett Community College, and then she later transferred, I believe, to Greenfield Community College, mm-hmm. and that's where she would eventually graduate from with a nursing diploma and become a registered nurse in 1988. Mm-hmm. And then in 1989, she was hired by the Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Northampton, Mass. And she was a pretty good nurse at the beginning of her career she was actually featured in a magazine called the VA practitioner in 1990 they did a whole profile on her basically just you know as a nurse who was kind of leading her unit yeah and she also from what I found she organized yearly gift exchange for disadvantaged families and was just like a really nice helpful co-worker Yeah, she was also known for being super strong in dealing with, like, tough medical situations. So, Mm -hmm. like, patients would be coding or she would be going down, and she was, like, right there in the thick of it, 
so many people talked about like that was her arena where she could really shine yeah she excelled at high stress situations and never really shied away from any of them so a lot of her coworkers thought a lot of her yeah and uh so she she actually got married the year before she got married to Glenn Gilbert, and they ended up having two children together. But after their first child and coming back from maternity leave, I believe she was switched from her normal shift into, yep. like, the 4 p.m. to midnight shift. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's – is that called a night shift? What is that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a night shift. So, like – well, it would technically be swing. Okay. So your overnight shift – there's usually, like, two swing shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be, like, p.m. swing and then a.m. swing, and that'll be, like, so, like, your a.m. swing will be, like, 3 to, like, 11. Gotcha. Yeah, and then I know also, like, from what I found, right after her switch, uh, she began a flirtatious, flirtatious, there it is, relationship with the night security officer, James, say that last name? Uh, Perolt. Yeah, that's kind of how I was thinking, but I wasn't sure if that was influenced by my watching of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, <laughs> thinking about Jake Peralta. Yeah, um, we'll go with Peralta. It's fine. So, fun fact. Yes. Because they were at a VA hospital, mm-hmm. um, VA policy, since it is technically a federal building, is that any time there's a medical emergency, mm-hmm. a police officer has to be there. Yes. And so all of the times when there would be, like, these great medical emergencies going on... Yeah. He would be there a lot of the times, Mm -hmm. and she would be there a lot of the times because she was a rock star at running codes. Yeah. So a lot of people kind of speculate, like, that's kind of how things got started. It makes sense. It does. And then I'm sure hanging out after their shifts. Right. Well, especially whenever you're dealing with things that are, like, so heavy. Yeah. Like, they were both seeing every single day. They were dealing with pretty heavy fucking shit. And they were dealing with it. They were going through it together, so it only makes sense that the things that you go through with somebody, you talk about to them, and one thing leads to another. I mean, that's how relationships become stronger. Yeah. Uh, which can be both a good thing, or in this case, when you're already married to somebody else. Probably should be talking to your husband. It's a thought. Making that relationship stronger. But, you know. You know, you do you, I guess. I don't, I couldn't really find anything about their marriage as far as, like, it being bad or good. Yeah, no, there were not a ton of, uh... Although, in one article, I did find that she had attempted to kill... I saw that too. Okay, but I only found point. it in one. <laughs> so, I think it was later down the line. Yeah. Yeah, later down the line, um, after some things had gone down, she was able to kind of cross his path again. And when she did, boy, did she cross it. So, the fellow nurses on the staff at this uh, hospital noticed Gilbert's poor luck with a high number of deaths occurring on their colleague's watch. And she apparently was on duty for some of, like, the most distressing medical events from what I was reading. They all seem pretty distressing to me, though, so. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was just, you know, it's the ICU. She was working in an ICU, and so you have the most critical patients. Yeah. So for, and I want to say this in the least shitty way possible, for a certain number of losses to happen, I would say most likely expected. It's not hoped for. It's not what we're going for, of course. Absolutely. But there are some things that sometimes you just can't recover from. And they're also working at a veterans hospital. So these most of their patients are older and in poor health. Correct. You know, that's so... Correct. So you've got patients... That, you know, it's not like where you have, like, young people who just have an accident or something Mm -hmm. and they have to be in the ICU for a couple of days while they're going through the first portion of their recovery. Like, many patients are kind of people who come through the hospital frequently or have these long-term problems that they're trying to get managed. So it's just not a great time. No. And because she did see so many of these deaths that occurred on her watch her co-workers actually jokingly called gilbert the angel of death yeah it got to a point there was one doctor anytime he was on duty with her 
he wouldn't let her touch any of his patients. He was yeah. like, nope. And I don't know if maybe he suspected something. I didn't see a ton of elaboration on that. Also, I feel like doctors would probably have to be, like, a little, like, superstitious or something. I mean, that's how it is in the veterinary field, so I can't imagine it'd be too different. Like, one of our surgeons has a good luck duck. See, I like that. And cute. Yeah. She, like, will bring it in the OR if we have, like, a tough case or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it lives on her desk otherwise. But, like, if it's, like, a tough case or it's, like... We have a really busy day. She brings a t- good luck duck. Do you have anything? Do I? Nope. No. <laughs> You're like, it's, it's whatever. I am probably the least superstitious person. Now I will do positive jinxes. Oh, okay. Like, if I have a patient and they're like, oh, he has a history of heart problems, like, I'll go ahead and pull up some uh, lidocaine is commonly used to treat certain arrhythmias. Mm-hmm. So if, like, they're predisposed to that, then I'll go ahead and, like, draw up my dose of lidocaine and just have it, like, sitting gotcha. on my anesthesia table. Because it's like, if I have it, I won't need it. Yeah. But if I don't have it, I'm going to need it. That's well, kind of superstitious, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That's not, the most, not... it's the most superstitious I get yeah. is positive jinxes. So, from what I gathered, over a seven-year span, there is an estimation that Kristen Gilbert was on duty for half of her war's 350 deaths. Mm -hmm. And the odds of that being an accident are one in 100 million. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. I'll keep going. Cool. It's suspected that Gilbert wanted to impress the security guard, like Tiffany had mentioned, who would become her boyfriend. And so, she began to manufacture scenarios where she saved lives. Yeah. People started noticing that their stock of epinephrine was weirdly dwindling. So epinephrine is another name for adrenaline, basically. I mean, there are differences, but for the intent of what we're going over right now, they're very similar. Epinephrine is um, usually a synthetic form of it that is manufactured for use in medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, it does a lot of different things. It can cause um, smooth muscle relaxation, especially so like treating the muscles in the airway, which is why EpiPens are used in treating allergic reactions. But at higher doses, it does increase the rate and force of contraction in, in the heart muscles, which basically just obviously increases the output of blood and raises the blood pressure so if you've got a patient who's experiencing cardiac arrest you can give a dose of epinephrine to help their heart start again which is why on Grey's Anatomy they're always like push one of epi that's all the knowledge I have of it so (laughs) it is commonly used I commonly use it at work I mean I would say more commonly we use like atropine which does kind of a similar thing but in a different way uh i know epi that one time found out that karev had arrhythmias though yeah i'm just saying epinephrine (laughs) is very good we like epinephrine yes and i know also in some of her cases where like she potentially was the culprit of a person being in cardiac arrest Mm -hmm. she would then also use epi as a way to bring them back yeah also yeah yep. so because basically she tricked their heart into having a heart attack yeah and then it that crashed can't be great for your heart at imagine no no that's that's real bad that is real bad for you also the physical trauma of cpr yeah is massive on the body mm-hmm. so manufacturing these situations is just a lot of undue physical stress yeah for a patient so as we saw on Grey's Anatomy, Epi can be life-saving. But also as we saw on Grey's Anatomy, when Karev accidentally got injected with it, it can also be less than great when it's given to someone who it shouldn't be given to. There we go. Uh, so I will say that things quickly began to unravel in the mid-90s, which followed the suspicions mm-hmm. of Kristen's colleagues regarding the frequency of deaths while she was on shift. And then I also noted that... One, one thing in particular was that a 66-year-old patient was admitted for a, you can correct me, post-operative bowel obstruction and only mm-hmm. required oral medication, and an on-duty nurse saw Kristen enter the room with a syringe in her hand, and later that evening the patient died. Oh. So yeah, there was a couple of like uh, malpractice things piling up against her. So one thing that I found uh, specifically r- involving another case happened in February. Mm-hmm. 
she actually went to her supervisor and basically asked him, like, hey, so if one of my super critical patients died, would I be able to go home early? And the supervisor was like, yeah, because, I mean, this is a high burnout field. Like, I'm sure it's just the same in human medicine as it is in vet med. Like, burnout is... You're still losing a right. life, it's potentially. It's so, so high. And compassion fatigue, all those things. It, it's just, it's tough sometimes. And so, yeah, her supervisor was like, yeah, like, if something terrible happens and you need to go, then you can go. And less than an hour later, one of her patients died. It's not great. I do know patients refused to refused entry into Kristen's ward as they grew terrified towards the nurse and feared that they'd never make it out of that ward alive. And that was the case for some of those patients. That's insane to know, like, to have such a reputation. Yeah, and to and still be capable of working. Right, because from everything that I found, and you correct me if you found something different, Mm -hmm. everything that I found, it wasn't until three different nurses came and reported that there was a problem. Yes. That management, supervisor, staff, like, actually looked at the situation. They were just kind of like, oh, whatevs, and kept on keeping on, um, which I think speaks to an even larger degree about the state of... The healthcare field, especially for veterans' healthcare, yeah, um, it's insane to think that something like this could be going on for years and years in a federal hospital. Yeah, I mean, I know from personal experience, not my own, but like family members and stuff like that are they do not get treated very well at veteran yeah. hospitals, but have to go there because it's it's covered and right. Yeah, so I do know they don't get the best care and treatment from seeing family members so yeah uh, shortly after that Kristen quit her job and she eventually was i did very i did research and i wrote this down and then i erased it for some reason but i know she was voluntarily like hospitalized in like seven like seven times ranging from one to ten days mm-hmm. yeah so actually um I think you mentioned earlier, at one point, Kristen would be having a conversation with her boyfriend, James, about these attacks, Mm -hmm. and she admitted it to him. Around that time, she was temporarily placed in a psychiatric ward. While she was there, her husband, Glenn, now Mm -hmm. this is when she's being investigated. Yeah. Her husband, her ex-husband, Glenn, invited investigators to look through some of her items that he still had in his possession. Mm -hmm. And among her items, they found a book that is called The Handbook of Poisoning. Oh. So that's not great. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a pretty cool book, I mean, 10 out of 10 would read it. (laughs) (laughs) But also, if you're a nurse and you're surrounded by death every day... I mean, yeah, but like as someone who... And maybe it'll be different once I'm actually working with patients. Mm -hmm. I have psychology books and stuff Mm -hmm. and, like, what defines a person as evil and stuff. But I'm just studying it. So maybe once, like, I'm seeing a person, I may not be as interested in some of the ugly aspects. So I think it's a little, like, yeah, it's different when you see it day to day. But also, like, death and not being able to help patients is one of the most detrimental things to your mental health when you're in that type of profession. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, everybody processes things differently, and if that's how she processed things, then more power to you. But if you're known as the angel of death... I mean, yeah, obviously. I feel like maybe having a handbook of poisoning isn't the best move. No, it's not. It's definitely a good indication of what's occurring. What's kind of brewing, (laughs) Yeah, if you will. Like I said, she was held while all of that was going on, and she had already been held previously, like, three separate times within the span of two weeks. I couldn't remember exactly how frequent it was, but I know it was not in a very long span of time. Yeah, definitely, as the police kind of started closing in on their investigation, you can see that her mental state was really starting to disintegrate. And the police were investigating deeper into her specific patients because at least based on the research that I did, it kind of looks like after those first initial three nurses came forward and were like, hey, here's two things. 
all of her patients fucking die and we're missing a fuck ton of epinephrine her patients die from cardiac complications even whenever they're patients who don't have a history of heart disease or any types of problems the hospital started taking a look at it and then they're like oh wait this shit is probably fucked Mm -hmm. so they got the police involved and the police were doing more in-depth investigation than the hospital was obviously they even um, subpoenaed records of her patients previously and were evaluating records of patients that had died in her care from before they had even become her patient to see if there was any type of um, predisposing condition um, or anything that was missed in the records. And actually what they found is evidence of the records in, at the hospital being tampered with to attempt to reflect that these patients who actually didn't have any cardiac disease did have some type of heart condition so that it would be questioned a little less mm-hmm. whenever they died. And also, epinephrine, I don't remember if we actually said this like mm-hmm. directly, it is like an untraceable thing unless it, it's being looked for. Right, unless you're cause. specifically doing a screening looking for it, you won't see it. Um, so it's kind of the perfect drug to do this with if that's what your plan is if that's your I mean, goal if you're to put people in cardiac arrest and then attempt to bring them back or potentially lose them so you can right. get the gratitude and the like, admiration of like your co-workers and mm-hmm. a guy you're interested in then yeah sure this is the route to go right if that's if that's your game plan <laughs> but we do not condone that we do not approve of that and that is not a thing that you should do yes just want to throw also, that out i have there. no ability to get up and <laughs> I super do, and I'm no. It's a no from me, friends. Uh, I had that while she was in her one of her hospitalizations. Uh, she actually called uh, James, mm-hmm. or her boyfriend, I believe, was her boyfriend yeah. at the time of this, and supposedly admitted to her crimes. Yeah, her ex-husband Glenn actually said a similar thing. He testified to it in her trial that she confessed to him yeah at one point i saw that too but i didn't see any i didn't see any direct quotes about what her exact words were but he did he did go to court and testify so i feel like that's pretty significant as well so another fun fact about Kristen is that her life had a lot of bomb threats during the time um after the birth of her first son during the time that, you know, there were still a strange amount of deaths around her, but there wasn't a ton of attention to it, Kristen actually called the police because she said that she received a phone call that there was a bomb threat to the hospital. So the police came, they evacuated the ward, they checked everything high and low and never found anything. Now when Kristen was let back on the floor, she said she found a box that was weird and unexplained and must have been left by somebody to prank them. Mm -hmm. But no evidence was ever found that a phone call came in about a bomb threat. And it's suspected that she made that up. Because later on, as the police came closer in their investigation of her, she actually called the hospital and made a fake bomb threat she said there was a bomb in the hospital and that they had to evacuate and figure it all out i also read that this occurred on three different days and always took place on Peralt's shift at the hospital really i did not find yeah, out the, about that the first one while the investigation was occurring actually like he takes a phone call from someone that is threatening a, a like a bomb threat up yeah. to the hospital and stuff yeah so interesting yeah. It is speculated that her whole reason for that was basically to distract them because she didn't mm-hmm. know what else to do. She didn't know how to handle the situation, that how to get out of the corner that she had really backed herself into. So she was like, well, you know what gets rid of the police? A bomb threat. Let me just do that real quick and hope that it works out in my favor. Now, it super didn't because her falsely reporting a bomb to a federal building made it possible for her to be arrested. (laughs) So that was the time of her arrest 
She was sentenced to 18 months for that crime. And 25 days after the arrest for falsely reporting that bomb, bodies of her previous patients began to be exhumed. So they exhumed several patients of hers. All of her patients who died from what they suspected to be heart attacks. That's who they picked. Also specific patients. They chose who witnesses reported seeing additional bottles of epinephrine that there was really no explanation to around their room. Um, So if there was any type of evidence like that, if they didn't have any predisposition to heart issues, they did exhume them. Autopsies did reveal that they had been poisoned with epinephrine when they checked for the epinephrine. Um, And then on November 24th, 1998, Kristen was officially indicted for murder. Yes. So when Perolt testified against Gilbert because of her alleged confession, they her defense attorney claimed reasonable doubt based on the lack of direct evidence. That didn't really go anywhere, even though like she had admitted to it. Mm-hmm. However, during her trial, prosecutors brought up Gilbert's history of violence to provide evidence against Gilbert's character. And I have a whole list of some actions that take, I mean, span over a few years. First one, while working as a home health aide before becoming a registered nurse and nearly eight years before her VAMC crimes, she purposely... That's gonna... How was this word? Scalded. Scalded. Thank you. I was gonna say scalded. Like, that's not right. Uh, So, a mentally handicapped child with hot bath water. Oh, I saw that. And honestly, like, the whole reason I left it out was because the mental imagery of it, just like... Well, you know me. I know. Like, my (laughs) mom had a pressure pot explode on her one time, and, like, her legs just got super burned. She had, like, third-degree burns. And so that's what I was thinking about, and I was just like, nope, nope. Kristen uh, used a large kitchen knife during an assault in Greenfield, Massachusetts in January or February of 1988. You know, a large kitchen knife. It's a classic. Kristen caused a medical emergency when she removed a patient's breathing tube at the same hospital on January 30th, 1994. Kind of feels like she should have been screened before coming, like, before being allowed in these places. Absolutely. Gilbert tried twice to murder a person by poison in November 1995. There was that whole handbook of poison. Yeah. Gilbert abandoned a patient who was undergoing cardiac arrest on November 9th, 1995, and then she asked another nurse to accompany her on a check of patients. Kristen apparently waited until her colleague independently spotted the patient's difficulty before raising an alarm. So that's really interesting to me, too, because that might have been her way of attempting to, like, take some of the heat off of herself. Because if she's always the one catching it and she's always the one finding it, oh yeah, people are going to put it together. So I wonder if that was her way of just being like, oh, no, I didn't see it. They noticed it first. So, yeah, it didn't have anything to do with me because I, I didn't see that. Sure. And you don't think anything of it if your coworker is asking you to, like, help you check. Yeah. yeah, like so many times we're like, hey, can you go look at this X, Y, and Z for me? Sure. Yeah, it's fine. No worries. Uh, Gilbert forced an untrained colleague to use cardiac defibrillation paddles on a patient during a different medical emergency on November 17th, 1995, and she refused to use the equipment herself. Which is unfortunate because that's the easiest piece of equipment <laughs> to use. Yeah. Like, I would... I'm going to be super honest right now if they're like, hey, your job is to either pull up, like, emergency drugs or your job is to run the paddles. I'm running the paddles every single time. I I guess it's just, uh, why would you force an untrained colleague to use the paddles? Why would you refuse to? Like, that's the part that's the part that's (laughs) tripping me up. It's not, like, forcing the untrained colleague because, like, yeah, that's, that's problematic. But also, like I said, it's the easiest part of it. Like, why don't you just, like, all right, here we go. I'm going to do this. Because something that I did um, see a lot, Mm -hmm. um, especially in her early life, is that she just seemed to be, like, a lot of people were like, yeah, she was super smart, but she was also kind of lazy. Yeah, I did see that, too. So. Gilbert also attempted to poison a patient at the VA hospital on January 28th, 1996. Just kept going. Yep. And then she also threatened the life of at least one person verbally and physically in July of 1996. 96 was a hopping year for her. It really was. Yeah, so those are just some of the incidents of violence in 
like that occurred in her life to just show her character was not great. Yeah. Um, I'm sure to underline all of those things. In her trial, there were more than 70 witnesses and 200 pieces of evidence. Ooh. Yeah. So I do know like the like the the process of building a jury was just chaotic to say the yes. least. Yes. <laughs> I know it her jury ended up consisting of nine women and three men. Wow. Yeah. And it was pretty hard fought from what I understand. I didn't see a ton of details about it though. Uh, no, I just know that there was, it was just a long process and because of all the evidence and witnesses and. Mm-hmm. Also a lot of potential um, conflict of interest. Yeah. Given the fact that she worked at a VA medical center. Um, that would also make jury selection that much harder, I would think. Yeah. Um, so out of the many deaths that Christian Gilbert attended, she was really only charged with four. And the fourth one didn't even come until um, the following year after she was initially charged. Now, even though those were the murders that she was convicted of, it is thought that she is actually responsible for 80 or more deaths mm-hmm. and was responsible for more than 300 medical emergencies. Yeah. Which, that's a lot of insurance dollars. It's a lot of emergencies, I feel like. That is a large number. I feel like that would get tiring. So, in March of 2001, a federal jury convicted Kristen Gilbert on three counts of first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder, and two counts of attempted murder. There was actually um, an ethical problem with this case because Massachusetts does not have capital punishment. Yeah. But the crimes were committed on federal property, which mm-hmm. meant she was then subjected to the death penalty. So a lot of people had issues. Was it ethical to right. push that? Right. Was it ethical to say, no, we need to pursue mm-hmm. the death penalty in her particular case? Which then also did cause the problem with like finding jurors. People don't want to be responsible for the death penalty. Yeah. Prosecutors attempted to secure a penalty of death, but admitting evidence of aggravated factors during the penalty phase, which included Gilbert's 1998 conviction of the bomb threat, but her defense introduced evidence of just other bullshit factors, I feel like, that isn't really, like... They're like, don't kill her because she has two kids. Yes, and I don't like that because mothers can be killers too and should still have to have consequences. But also... I would be curious to see how frequently uh, a man's children are used in his defense. That's a very good point. And I know she left these kids when they were young. Yeah, she left. She moved to an apartment. Yeah. And was just like, all right, adios, motherfuckers. I how have a new boyfriend. that a mother that needs to stay alive because she has children? Right. That's <laughs> not, guys, no. Yes. Well, she was initi- she was eventually uh, sentenced to four consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. They also moved her from Massachusetts mm-hmm. to a federal prison in Texas, mm-hmm. which I just gotta say sounds like a real bad time. It doesn't sound fun to me. I wouldn't want to be in any prison in Texas, let alone a federal prison. So she was going to make a federal appeal for a new trial, but in 2003, there was a Supreme Court ruling that would allow prosecutors to push the death penalty if anybody tried to appeal their case. They are basically like, hey, guess what? If you want to appeal your case, fine, but then if we're retrying you for this, we can retry you and change yeah, absolutely. your punishment. And once the death penalty was on the table again, she was like, you know what? Not going to fuck with that. Going to leave that one right where it's at. So she dropped it. Uh, And then all I really have left is that there is a book titled Perfect Poison by M. William Phelps, which features Kristen Gilbert as the subject. Hmm. I'm not going to lie. I honestly really want to read it now. (laughs) I definitely would. I'm, I'm really curious because a lot of the places, and I hope we didn't jump around too much, but a lot of the sources that I found online um, really kind of, every single one told the story a different way. It did. Like, in a different chronological order of events. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find a PDF on Murderpedia, so if anybody's interested in finding out more about it, it was a broken-down timeline 
with specific dates, like day and year mm-hmm. or month and year, mm-hmm. um, that things occurred, which really put a lot of it in perspective for me because there were things that I was reading and it was just like, oh, yeah, she had two kids. And then in like 1995, yeah, she absolutely. started killing patients. When it was actually for years, it had been going on. Mm-hmm. It's just in 1995, 1996, that's when people came forward about it because that's when people started putting things together. It had been going on for years, but it was undetected. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, I had the bullet points of her past, like, right. violence, so clearly she had issues. Right, which is also unfortunate. There's just so many people that suffered, and honestly none of this potentially could have happened had she gotten the appropriate mental help that she needed when she was younger. If she had been appropriately evaluated or allowed to talk to somebody who actually knew what the fuck they were doing to get her the help that she needed, theoretically, nobody would have had to die. I I genuinely believe anyone that works in the medical field, whether it be psychology, psychiatry, surgery, like anything where you're dealing with patients, like you said, like what would like empathy, compassion fatigue yeah. is a huge thing. I think anyone that works in that field should be legally required to seek mental health treatment just to make sure you're on like the up and up and not for sure because there are so many things and I know I speak about things and I'm like, yeah, this is like veterinary medicine which is far less regulated than human medicine. But also I have a lot of friends who are nurses. My grandma was a nurse for like 30 years, and she's told me stories about other nurses that she worked with. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I have friends who are nurses now, and I see the things they deal with, and I hear the stories of like their coworkers, and it's like, you know, these people who are dealing with these terrible mental issues – who need help and they won't get it because in some cases like they're scared to seek mental help oh yeah because if you say hey this is a problem i have they're like oh well you can't fulfill this job so you don't have your livelihood anymore yep rather than being like oh okay we're gonna give you the help that you need so that you can continue doing this job yes which is why i'm always gonna be an advocate for normalizing therapy Therapy is great. Just, I mean, honestly, not even to be weekly, but like, uh, there's been talk where, because of what I'm getting ready to do, that what you're talking about, they're like, you need to seek mental health treatment at some point in your career because they're going to be really tough things, especially because I want to work with children where I'm going to be put in a very difficult position where, like, ethically, I'm going to need to speak with yeah another mental health professional yeah. to guide me on my own, like, decisions. Right. There should be nothing wrong with that. Right. It should be entirely normal, entirely healthy, because it makes everything better for everyone. Yes. It helps everyone. It doesn't hurt anyone at all, because I would rather, like, I would rather know that my nurse, if she's struggling, or the doctor, or whoever it is that Mm -hmm. is treating my medical issues, isn't struggling. Yeah. Because when you're struggling, like, Mistakes happen. There is a less happen. Right. A lesser form of care. Right. And whether intentional or not, I mean, right. just happens. Exactly. Because at a certain point, you can only take care of yourself so much. Yeah. And you need somebody. You need help. You need that support system. And if you maybe don't have a support system that like gives you exactly the help that you need, or even if you do. There's nothing wrong with having additional support. You cannot have too much support in your mental health. No, it, I, yeah. I, I don't think it exists. And maybe that's just my opinion. But I feel like the more you talk, the more you work through your issues, the better it is. And that goes for if you're a nurse, if you're a banker, if you work at the convenience store down the street. Like, I like. I also, what I don't really know is, it does, like, a psychiatric stay not show up anywhere in, like, I don't know, like, not a background check, but, like, I feel like there should be some kind of... So, I think a lot of it depends on her age, I guess. So, like... Yeah, that's true. You know, a lot of her early problems happened when she was a minor still. hmm And so, I wonder if perhaps that was sealed. It, it might have been. And yeah. that's why... I just... I, and you did say she graduated at... 
16, so while she was attending college and did have a few things yeah. occur there, she might have still been a minor. But, as, yeah, I'm just I'm kind of surprised that it kind of went ignored. It's really sad, honestly. Like, it just makes me sad for people who have to deal with things on their own. You're already dealing with a job that is physically demanding. It's mentally yeah. demanding. It's emotionally demanding in every way. And on top of that, which would be a huge burden in and of itself you're also having to deal with your own personal inner demons i i I mean your job is to take care of other people like i can't imagine it's not as easy for them to go get the help that they need because people are immediately like "Mm, nope can't do your job sorry yeah it is becoming more widely accepted for people to seek mental health treatment, whether yeah. it's therapy or just, like, group support, just something. Right. I think that's becoming a little bit more, like, not so, like, taboo and right. you can't talk about this kind of situation. Is crime representation in Hollywood? I think it is. It is. Sure. Do you remember when you were a kid and you would go to the doctor and they'd be like, oh, do this thing and take this hearing thing and do this stuff? I don't no. know. That was a ton of detail. Like a hearing test? Like, make sure I can hear? They would, I remember as a kid, like, we had to do hearing tests. We had to do, like, weird vision tests in our doctor's office. What do you mean by weird vision? Like, you I, just cover one eye and read the board? I mean, cover one eye, but they'd be, like, it'd be, like, words in different colors. No, I don't remember any of that. But also, I got that done at, like, school. Oh, Like, yeah. in elementary school, at least. Like, I don't know, first or second grade to, like, fifth grade, I remember, like, yearly. Yeah. There would be, like a hearing person or mm-hmm. something like that i think vision they did at the doctor but yeah. hearing i remember because they put those little things like if you can hear this beep mm-hmm. raise your hand or whatever yep it always stressed me out and i was like am i am i hallucinating am this I beep hearing or a beep? is there not a beep is there a beep i don't really know yes uh so do you know which one you're doing for mm, your nope no you don't okay I have, like, three ideas, but I can't pick. So, I, so like Tiffany said, we, we narrowed this down during a different uh, episode, and it's true crime-based movie discussion. I was going to leave it open a little bit more than that. Yeah. But um, that's, that's what we did. I will say that I'm planning on doing Wolf Creek. Nice. Yes. Look at you having your life together. Uh, so that's pretty much it. We have a website, which I probably will be uploading a, a blog post on this episode just because it was kind of all over the place. I'll have a link to, if I can, the PDF file that Tiffany's yes. talking about. Okay, yeah. That will be there, so it makes it a little bit easier to understand. Uh, that is luminolcocktail.com. We have a Gmail account there, and it also has a link to our Instagram. Mm-hmm. But if you just want to find us on Instagram, that is luminolcocktailpod. Yep, that's Tiffany's thing. Nothing. <laughs> but seriously, guys, feel free to email us about all of the things. If yep. you have any suggestions, if you have any notes, if you're like, hey, guys, fucking get your shit together, feel free to say it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, if you can review us anywhere, do it. I don't. I know iTunes you can. I have no idea about anything else. I don't know. I don't know how things work. I'll be honest. I, <laughs> I don't listen to podcasts on any of these other platforms. That I was going to say, so. I listen to my podcast on Spotify. But yeah, rate, review, subscribe. All that good shit. Sure. Do all that. Do all the things. Nothing else. Follow us on Instagram. Please and thank you. We appreciate you.